right, ladies and gentlemen, episode 40 here. We are joined here with my host, Mitch McCartney, alongside with Keaton, our producer. And we have a special guest today. He represents the Chicago Wolves and Grand Rapids Griffins. He's a young writer and journalist for the Field Hockey Pass website. It is Andrew Rinaldi. What's going on, Andrew? How you doing, man? I appreciate you calling me young in that intro, man. It makes oh, me yeah. feel good. Yeah. You're, you're still looking <laughs> a little young, man. You're still working it. So uh, how have you been, man? Like, how is everything? What you uh, what you been up to in the writer days? Well, you know, it's winter, so the season's just off to full blast right now. Um Real busy with uh, between the Wolves and the Griffins, you know. My uh, my weekends, I got to watch one ga- both games at a time sometimes. it's It gets pretty hairy, but you know what? I love it, and the more hockey, the better, in my opinion. So. Yeah, a lot of uh, time is being taken up uh, with that podcast that you're on. It's called The Holy Grail. So what do you guys usually do on that one? Grail, uh, hold on. You guys- I, I want to – oh, but a grail, spa- grail spelled G-R-A-H-L. That's right. A- amazing touch. Yeah. Yeah. The teams I cover, they're in the American Hockey League, the AHL. So we come out with an episode every week and just kind of talk about what's going on in the league. We bring up whatever transactions are going on, who, uh, what players are feeling hot, like who won player of the week. And we just keep uh, keep track of who who's trending where and just talking about, I mean, me, I've been pretty busy because the Wolves have just been blowing everyone out of the water these days, so been a lot of been a lot of talking on my part but it's it's been awesome just with my with my other co-hosts we've been doing they they do a terrific job on the pod and yeah we just kind of let you guys know what's going on and um it's yeah we're about halfway through the the season it's starting to get it's starting to get real chaotic in there and i i love it i'm all for the chaos where can uh where can our listeners find you uh, on the pod you can find us on our website. That's uh, Field Pass Hockey. We uh, we sh- we have our episodes on there, and we also have a YouTube channel where we, we upload the episodes up there. And I like that a little better because you know you get the visuals and everything. Sometimes we'll have some. We have a segment called Oof of the Week, and sometimes we got some like goofy plays going on. Like this this past week, there was a goalie who kind of shot the puck into his own defenseman's face like oh. you only get that kind you only get that kind of content on the YouTube episodes so you can find us on there um we're all we're all super active on Twitter you can find me at at fph wolves and at fph griffins i'm actually like i have two accounts and sometimes during the games like when they play each other I'm like tweeting at myself. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's the definition of the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Oh yeah, that's, that's me. This guy's and then your personal smack. one too. So you got all three of them just going in a circle. <laughs> this so, guy's talking smack to me on Twitter. Oh shit, it's myself. Well, that's me. <laughs> Shut I'm the an fuck asshole, up, kid. Man. Shut the fuck up, kid. Um, so you were actually able to obtain somebody like some big names. Um, you got a guy from Team USA. It was Andrew or Andy Mealy. Yep. Did I say that right? Okay. Yeah, so right. Uh, you guys also had the captain for the Chicago Wolves, which the Chicago Wolves are a minor league team that's under the Carolina Hurricanes. So um, Andrew is able to cover them, and then he also covers – you cover the Grand Rapids Griffins, correct? Yep. Okay, so you do that under field hockey then, uh, the website? Yeah, field pass hockey. Field pass hockey. I'm yeah. Just, my bad. <laughs> no, that's all good. All right. So, um, so how are the Wolves doing, and how are the Grand Rapids Griffins doing? Because the Grand Rapids Griffins are actually under the Red 
Wings, which I think is pretty cool that we have a in-state ho- minor league hockey team because for like the Chicago Wolves, they're under the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, which that's two different states. So yeah. for us to have an in-state minor league team is pretty dope. So uh, give us a little rundown on the Chicago Wolves and the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins. More Grand Rapids Griffins because they're under the yeah, Red Wings. Yeah, for sure. The uh, yeah, like I said, the Wolves. They um, you know they they're always they're kind of always at the top of the league. They they're not owned by their NHL team, which is I mean, a couple of teams in the AHL. They uh, they're kind of independently owned and they operate. Not quite so independently, but they do make their own decisions sometimes, and as a result, they kind of have a chance to pick up some of these free agents, and they just like they just want to win as many games, and they're just like send it. Um, but they also work with the Hurricanes in terms of player development and everything. Um, the Griffins, they kind of start. They started off the season a little rocky, like they were just kind of hovering over five hundred, weren't like real spectacular at all, but then. Ever since Christmas, they've been on a seven-game point streak, and they've they've either been winning or they take it to overtime. They might not come up in overtime, but it's um, it's they've been they've been looking a lot, a lot better. Um, they got a lot of young guys coming in producing. Uh, you can see my favorite is is a young kid from Sweden. His name's uh, Jonathan Bergren. Uh, you want to talk about hands and and just envision this kid is just silky, silky smooth. Opposite of stone hands, exactly. <laughs> What's the opposite of stone? Water hands? <sighs> I would air hands. I don't air know. hands. <laughs> but he's got hands though. We yeah, were going sure. through some hockey chirps before the podcast, just going back and forth, I and he was saying, yeah, he was saying oh, some yeah. pretty funny ones. I through. love being a good chirp. Oh, that's some of my favorite parts about the game is just the chirping, you know. Oh, it's a it's a big get in their heads exactly. exactly. It's all about like not only beating them on a physical level, but on a mental level too. So if you can get in their ears as much as you can, that's exactly Gotta what get you want to do. Every advantage you can, you know, hundred percent, hundred. So how are our uh, minor league team looking? How how's the you know Grand Rapids Griffins? Are they having any prospects that are coming in and being able to you know hit the Red Wings soon and make a actual impact on the team or? Do we have a little bit of a – do we have a team that is kind of like in the ruts right now that is just kind of like to a point where um, we're not ready to call up a couple prospects yet? But, I mean, if we do, I mean, that'd be great for you to name off so yeah. our <laughs> listeners can kind of have an inside scoop of who's going to be the next good Red Wing. Right, besides our two rookie standouts who kind of just skipped the whole minor league process. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, they're a little too good for the A there. But uh, I'd say looking at, looking forward – uh, Bergeron's definitely a name to keep an eye on. I think next year he could he could very well be a regular on this team. Um, but they they kind of already made the decision with like taxi squads and COVID protocols and everything going on that they kind of went they want to have this kid sit down in Grand Rapids for the rest of the year um, just to have him build some confidence and work on like his defensive game and he um. You know, they, they, he has the opportunity. I mean, he's got the skill for sure. And I think he's just kind of, kind of. What does he like specialize best in? Like his oh. puck handling, his able to hit the one timers. He, uh, he's, he's, he's a playmaker first and foremost. I mean, he, his vision and just how shifty he is on the ice. Like he's just, he's a real smooth skater. And he, he he can just find these lanes that no one else on the ice can. And yeah. it's 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 kind of incredible to watch. Um, like I said, he's 
he the Blashill and the Red Wings organization, they kind of, like I said, they kind of already said that they want him to, to kind of sit there and develop his game a little more. Because if, if you bring a kid up like that who might not be as well-rounded coming up into the NHL, he's just going to get eaten alive, you know? Yeah. Um, so the best thing for him going forward would probably be to spend out the rest of the season in Grand Rapids. Uh, so if anyone comes up, it's probably going to be Kyle Criscolo or Riley Barber. And those guys aren't necessarily, like, young up-and-coming forwards. Chris Colo's been around for a minute. I want to say he's, like, 29. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to be kind of, like, in – I don't want to say an AHL lifer, but he's, he's he was undrafted, you know. He's a guy who's just kind of – got where he is by his work ethic and you kind of know what you are at 29 yeah exactly you either are an nhl player or you're not right and that's that's how it is in a lot of sports like at at 29 how many years has he been in the league Um, or at least been professional in in the minors yeah he he played he played college i can't remember exactly where but so he turned pro and he was around 22 so okay so call it about six seven seven years yeah exactly you're probably you're probably right he probably is an nhl lifer right Um, but if you're looking for some more names coming up in the future, uh, there's a couple defensemen. Um, Dominic Sobrango is one. He, uh, he actually made Canada's junior team um, for the World Junior Championships, uh, which is like, that's like a big deal. Every year, Canada sends these, these talented kids out there at the World Junior Tournament, and it's like you can basically pencil them all in as future NHL players. I won't call them stars, but you can like guaranteed like future NHL it's players. It's a factory. Yeah, it's a exactly. factory. It's, it's, it's Canada, you know? <laughs> so. It's the Alabama of hockey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Alabama to college football <laughs> is Canada to hockey. Right. You know, these guys, they're, they, they, you know, the day they're born, they're coming out with skates on their feet already, you know? So I, I've heard about that. The, the Canadian birth. Yeah, yeah, oh, you get, yeah, and then they just throw you right into the ice, and you can just yeah, it's like they they learn how to skate before they can walk. So really, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love hockey, man. Yeah. I love I love hockey comedy. It's great. Yeah. So the, uh, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, oh, yeah, I'm just saying. There's uh, there's him, and then there's uh, there's Jared McIsaac. He's real interesting to look out for because uh, he he spent a couple years where he. Um, he, he he battled some injuries. Uh, he had a separated shoulder, um, and he, he took a real nasty hit uh, this September in the training camp that he had to be taken off on a stretcher and everything. Luckily, he was he ended up being okay, and he's he's actually looked really good, but he, all these injuries have really taken some time out of his development, so it's 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 kind of a to be determined with with McIsaac but he's got the skill whether he can kind of pull it all together and turn it into an NHL career well you know that's that's the thing about prospects you just got to wait and see with these guys see what they can bring in the big club cuz a lot of guys can play in the A but stepping up into that next level is just it's a whole other monster you know so We'll see. I'm 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 liking what I'm seeing from the kids, though. One one thing that's pretty funny though is I hear that uh, you got the chance to interview Andy Mealy. He actually used to live right across the canal from me. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually I've played pond hockey with him before, like once or twice. Oh wow, oh, how shit. was that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> he was pre- I was pretty young when he lived across the canal from me. I think I was maybe. 11 or 12, so it's been a good like 10 years. Probably he was with the Wings at the time, so yeah. that's obviously why he was so close. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah, no, that was just a cool little thing I, I thought to mention since you I knew that you interviewed him. I actually used to live like right next door to the guy basically. Yeah, he um yeah, he grew up right around here. He actually he played youth hockey with my cousin. Really? Yep. And so I asked him a question during the interview because he has another uh teammate on that on that team, that honeybake team, who's also going to the Olympics. So I asked him, like, okay, you play with this kid when, you know, you were 11, 12 years old, how's it feeling, you know, having a childhood friend coming with you to the Olympics? His first reaction was like, how did you know that? Because <laughs> that's like not something you can pull up on Google or anything. So I was like, yeah, my cousin was the goalie in that team. And they went something like 82 and 3 that oh my. year. Oh, my God. I'm not making that up. That's like. funny how you used your, like, sources for, like, Inside information. No, you should you should have lied. You should be like, no, like I just personal I just do my research, man. <laughs> I don't know anyone. I got it off the dark hockey web on that one. <laughs> no, he um, no, he was he was a great guy. He he, you know, I mean, talk about playing, you know, living the dream, going over and playing for your country for a chance at gold. You know, it's like we've all seen miracle. You know, now oh, he gets yeah. to go and live it. I, I I asked him if he was going to watch it on the plane ride over to China. He's like, Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. You have to, you absolutely have to. Um, so let's get to this, man. I mean, obviously this, this is our red wings episode. We touched on our minor league system, how it's looking mm-hmm. down there up here, at least as of re- recent, let's, let's ignore uh, the success that we've had so far this year. It's been dark. It's been ugly, depressing. Yeah, it was dead wings all over again. A hundred percent, especially for a city you know like Detroit. I mean, we're in an we're in an original six town. We're used to having a good, successful hockey team that we can rely on to entertain us on these absolutely depressing winter months that we have here (laughs) in the Midwest, where the sun kind of just says "see ya" for like four months at like five o'clock too. Yeah, yeah early, and then, early and then you too. wake up like going to work when the sun comes up, and then going home when the sun sets is the yeah. most mind like it drives I you fuck always dark, dude. Yeah, it's I always dark. That. Um, but yeah, anyways, it, it's been bad. Let's you know just to highlight, um, kind of the the fall from grace that we had. Let's look at like just the past five years: 16, 17, 33, 36, and thirteen. Seventeen, eighteen, thirty, thirty-nine, and thirteen. 18, 19, 32, 40, and 10. Uh, take a seat for this one. This, is gonna, this one's going to hurt. 2019, 17, 49, and 5. That's Ugh. an ugly one. Last year, 2021, 2020, 2021 was 19, 27, and 10. That was a COVID year. Mm-hmm. And obviously this year with today's win puts us one win over 500 at 18, 17, and 5. I mean, we've had a lot of ups and downs. You know, we've had good players here. We've mm-hmm. had Larkin for a few years, as we said, 2015, uh, he was drafted. We've had goal scorers like Anthony Mantha. We've had playmakers like Thomas Tatar. But we just, I feel like before, but really before Steve was brought back, before Stevie was brought brought back, we just never really had a core that meshed, really. Like, I think I think it was before the pod, we were kind of talking about um, – how you know hockey is just such a it's so important chemistry wise and i kind of compared it to uh football because that's like my main sport and i'm like you know offensive line you could have five insanely talented dudes out there but if they're not you know communicating well and if they just don't mesh well on the field or in our case mesh well on the ice you're just not going to be able to win games consistently and that that hasn't been the case this year in uh in hockey town you know we've drafted Two outstanding rookies who are going to be the focal point of this episode uh, in Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. 
So in your opinion, was there another person besides Steve Eiserman that could have done this or did it, were we so down in the, in the depths of just suckitude that we had to not only bring back uh, someone who was a great GM. I know he, he built that Tampa team up uh, and they're in you know what seems like just about every Stanley cup finals. Um, did we not only have to bring in a great GM, but someone who was an absolute legend when he was skating here? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, if you look at just how that roster was built to get you 17 wins in a season, that was the culmination of just years and years of having an aging core. You got guys like, you know, I mean, Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsyuk were unreal talents back in 2008 when they won the cup, but in 2014, you know, these guys are, they're getting old and they're not, they're not guys that you can rely on. So we ended up trading a lot of young players and, and draft picks that, we could have used in kind of like reloading the team as we've we've kind of always done. We ended, we give we gave them away for some middling players that didn't really contribute or stay a whole lot. We signed some just awful contracts that anchored us in free agency, and we couldn't. You know, it's hard to move around when you got a guy when you're paying a guy six million dollars a year to sit there in the fourth line and get you ten points in a season. I'm, Looking at you, Franz Nielsen. Uh, <laughs> he's got like he's got like a vendetta against him. Oh yeah. Oh, I could go on that for is, a whole episode on that. That is theft. What was it? How about how many per year for ten points in a season? Oh, uh, he got something like I don't know if it was six mil exactly, but it was for. I mean, they signed a thirty-year-old guy six to a six-year deal to like six million what position oh did he play he was, oh. he, was a he, was a, he was a center oh yeah. he was a center he was a center he was in the defensive he oh yeah he didn't, he didn't score i, I actually no. went i actually went to a game in 2019 where he's he like he got a hat trick and it was like i was blown away yeah it's amazing and i think he scored like five goals that whole year <laughs> and he had three of them that one night yeah you ran outside just to make sure it wasn't a blue moon yeah that night. and yeah, then exactly. and in classic wings fashion they lost the game anyway oh yeah um but I think, I mean, Iserman was just the perfect guy. Not, I mean, not only because he he had the smarts. I mean, he sat there in Tampa Bay, and and built up this this dynasty in the making as we're seeing here. Um, but just in in his pedigree as a player, you know, I don't think there's anyone in in Detroit sports maybe other than like Barry who's more universally loved than oh, Steve Iserman. Yeah. And as a result, like you, you get this team that's so down in the dumps, and, and it's it's going to take years to 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 really bring them back into that kind of contender status. And the thing about that is, is no one's going to be pressuring Steve. You know, no after after three four years, you you know you're not like making a deep run in the playoffs. No one's going to be calling for his head because he you you give Steve Eiserman all the time in the world to. Do what he does, which is build through the draft, which is, you know, he picks up these these savvy acquisitions. Picking up uh, Jacob Verana for Anthony Mantha and a first-round pick, like that was just savvy. And mm-hmm. that's and that's what Steve does, trading for Alex Nedeljkovic for a third-rounder and a goalie that you you weren't going to sign and that Carolina didn't even end up signing. I was psyched, I was psyched with that trade because oh, he was, was competing awesome. for Rookie of the Year as Rookie. Yeah. And that's we traded for him with the season after, yep. I believe. During the offseason, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. No, yeah. I, I always compare, because um, I'm a huge football guy, as I think I've already said, um, 
I always compare like kind of how you said like Steve can just do no wrong here. He is like very much like the Red Wings version of what Jim Harbaugh is to the U to the U of M. I oh, mean, he absolutely. can do he can do whatever he wants on that campus, especially after I mean the seat was hot, but especially after the season that he had now. Yeah. I mean, he could do whatever he wants on campus. No one's gonna say a damn word. To yeah, him. absolutely. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, you know, when Jim first came in. Yeah, a couple of lean seasons, you know, getting smacked around by Ohio State. But, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to fire Jim Harbaugh? No. You're not going to yeah. fire Jim Harbaugh. Show me and the guy that's got the nads to do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Not, I mean, not just imagine what that would cost the university in terms of, you know, greenbacks. But that's a different story. So, you know, Steve was the perfect guy for the job. And he's, on top of knowing his players, he, he knows his staff. And, you know, he, he just brought Nick Lidstrom in to kind of help run the team. And you want to talk about, like, a winning tradition? Nick Lidstrom played 20 seasons for the Red Wings. He never missed the playoffs. That's amazing. (laughs) Never missed the playoffs. Steve Eisenman played 22 seasons all with Detroit. All with the Wings. All with Detroit, dude. Yeah. That's, like, some shit that, like, NBA players praise Kobe over is that he played 20 seasons with the Lakers. You had Mm -hmm. Steve Eisenman that has two years on top of him just for the Red Wings, and now he's the general manager. Yeah. So just seeing him just step into office and just rack up, and what we needed to do for a rebuilding team was to rack up those draft picks, and that's what we were able to do. We were able to be able to trade the players that we had and obtain first-round draft picks. I think it was one season where we had, like, three of them. or mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, we, we were just able to execute so well. And when he came in in 2019, um, that was our worst year, by the way, in the last five years. We had 17 wins that year. He was just off the ground running, and everybody was just like, all right, well, he's not making really any moves because he was kind of, like, quiet, like, when he first stepped into office. And then once the offseason, ha- like, happened, he just started – making moves and everything and and that's the coolest thing so he hires Nicholas Lindstrom we also have Lindstrom as a defensive um, player too so which is pretty pretty funny so what do you are you mad that so we're fighting for the wild card right now because Pittsburgh and Boston are right there in those spots do you think that the Red Wings have a chance this year at least touching like the wild card at least, or being in content, like close contention. I'm not talking about like five games behind like we are right now, but I'm talking about like literally last, last game. Season. Yeah, last is, week is, of the season. Really are intense. we are we going to be able to have the talent and the drive to be able to make that last push into the playoffs? I think we're going to be competitive. I don't know if we're going to have what it takes to get us over the top because what – the difference between us and the Bostons and the Pittsburghs is that they got guys who've been there. Boston has, you know, that whole top line. They got a reliable goalie. And, you know, they were just in the cup final a couple of years ago. You know, these guys know what it takes to win when, when crunch time comes in. When, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, you got, guy, you got guys with three cup rings on their fingers in that locker room. You know, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. It's it's kind of ridiculous the amount of hardware that's in there. So like they, you know, they might have lost a step, but these guys again, they know what it takes to win down the stretch and to you know to get into the playoffs and to be successful there. And not to say that the Wings don't, you know, but it's just it's so tough in a league full of grown big boys 
to rely on a 19 and a 20 year old to carry you into that promised land. And no matter how much talent they got, you got to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. That's the case in any sport, you know, no one, especially in hockey, especially in hockey. a lot of grown men in hockey, like you're saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, that grown man strength. Yeah. Like for, for as talented as Lucas Raymond is, you know, when, when the playoff push comes around, you got to, 220 pound defender barreling down. He's a child. Corner. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, tw- he's a child. But right. like he's, we he's talked, younger than us. But like what we talked about before with like the chemistry thing is that we ha- we've always had a young team. In the past five years, we've had the youngest, like one of the youngest teams at least yeah. within the league. So just to just look at the Red Wings now and how much progression they've had is amazing because they're still a very young team. So are you saying right now that this year the only problem, not the only problem, but one of the problems at least is that the the players are too young and they haven't played enough with like together at least? Or are there like other factors to this team where we need to, I guess, fill in the holes? Yeah, I don't think chemistry is a real issue right now because you just look at, I think Raymond came in on that top line with Larkin and Bertuzzi and just clicked. Yeah. And sometimes you got guys with talent and they just, they click. You know, and they don't need to play 10 games with each other before they realize, like, oh, hey, this guy's pretty good. You know, they find out in the first couple shifts in practice, like, I love this guy and I want him to be on my line. That's probably what Larkin told Blashill, and, and that's what you've seen. Um, I, I just think that that the roster is just it's still there's work that still needs to be done at the end of the day. And when you look at, you know, the the corpse of Danny DeKaiser sitting up there on your top defensive pairing. That's a top. That's I can't believe he's back. <laughs> fun, fa- fun fact. My mom used to train his uh, wife. Really? Yeah. Oh my, I swear to God. <laughs> my mom's. What do you know? Every hockey player and yeah. every <laughs> hockey player is like, you know, see, the canal? see, you know, yeah, I know. How big is this canal? <laughs> see, you know what's hilarious? What's hilarious is like, my mom knows all these pro hockey players, but I'm a basketball dude. I'm like, this sucks, man. I'm like, but yeah, my mom used to train his wife. Yeah, you got to work those connections a little harder. I know. Danny DeKaiser next up on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we well. won't let him hear what you just said about him. So. <laughs> um, so it's just there's there's a there's there's still just some holes that that need to be filled up, um, and and you know you can get away with that in game twenty five, game twenty eight, whatever. But you know by the time game seventy seven rolls around, you know okay those guys that you might be hiding there in the fourth line, they they can get exposed by a team like Boston or Pittsburgh and. I think this team has enough talent to make it interesting. I think we're going to hang in there, and it's going to be it's going to be fun. I mean, there's one thing you can say about this team this year compared to even last year, and definitely to two years ago, is that it's fun. You can go to LCA and you have fun watching this team. And your tickets are almost worth the price. Almost, almost. Worth the price. almost. We're, we're getting there. We're getting the price of admission there, and then and then they'll jack the. You know, you know what my real happens. question is: is that why is Little Caesars Arena, Little Caesars, the name? Why are they charging like twelve dollars for a fucking pizza? I know, it's a bro. crime. It's a I crime. hate that shit. Like crime. your name is in the stadium, you don't need to pay for a concession stand. Give us the five dollar so hot and ready. Come <laughs> right. on, just give us the five dollar hot and ready. I put money on it. That'd be a hot commodity to bring more fans in. Well, especially if I'm paying ten, twelve dollars for a beer when I'm four of those deep. Yeah, I'll pay. I'll I'll get a five dollar hot and ready. Yeah, you know. But 
Not a twenty dollar hot and ready. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still. I'm not paying. I'm drunk and I'm still like, I'm, that's too much for me. Right. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still that kid in the movie theater sneaking snacks in and shit. So. <laughs> sneaking pizzas into the arena. <laughs> How that guy fit a whole rotisserie chicken in here, dude? People, the way they sneak the octopi in, they'll they oh, there's there's ways you don't want to know, but there's ways to sneak it in. That's it's crazy. not gonna. It's not gonna be clean, but if you want it bad enough. Yeah, you got to find your holes, man. You got to find your holes. (laughs) How how bad do you want it? Could it be more fitting for a hockey episode? Um, I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, You brought up Blashill, and, you know, he's able to do a little bit more now that we've got these great rookies uh, in Raymond and Sider combined with, you know, a little bit uh, of veteran experience now in Larkin, which I think we said before the pod just feels absolutely nuts that he's already been here for seven years mm-hmm. what is like where where do you stand on Blashill? i know he, he was constantly under fire here in this city for the previous seasons do you think that he was always someone that could coach but he needed talented players such as raymond cider larkin um uh, bertuzzi you know the whole rest of the gang or do you think that you know he was he is someone that could make something out of nothing. You know, almost a, I would relate him to a Bill Belichick of the NFL, someone that can have this ragtag, you know, squad and somehow end up in the you know AFC title game yeah. every single year. What what kind of coach is Blashell now? Well, I definitely don't think he's a guy who can make something out of nothing because he had nothing a couple years ago and just Produced made, nothing. made a lot more nothing with it. Um, it's it's still it's it's all at the same time it's so tough to judge someone when they have a bottom of the barrel roster to you have no pieces to work with and like this year i i think i've liked some of the decisions he's made and at the same time like like with philip zadina who's really struggled this year to 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 find some confidence i don't think he's been in a lot of positions to succeed and to kind of get out of his own head and get comfortable with his game. I'm not a fan of what I'm seeing from the power play. I think that for as much talent as we have, we should be converting a lot more chances. I'm not ready. To, I, I, you know, last year you asked me this question. I would have said, you know, sail this guy back to Canada and let's find someone else. Um, I was a big fan of, of Vegas's old coach, uh, Gerard Gallant. You want to talk about a guy who made something out of nothing. This guy took a team in its first season to the Stanley Cup final. You know, that was a guy that, I, and 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 he, back in the 80s, he was a line mate of Steve Iserman's. And Iserman said that, like, he, of all the guys that he wanted to be on the team that to win the Cup in 97 who weren't there, like, he was the number one guy. So I thought, I was like, okay, match made in heaven. But Steve Iserman's, taught me over and over again that he knows a lot more about hockey than I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to trust Steve on this. He just extended Blash Hill. So I think this is, this is his trial period. This is like, okay, you got some pieces, you got some guys. Let's see what you can do with them. Cause I mean, if we're not seeing some, uh, some development out of guys like Zadina, um, Michael Rasmussen is another one. Um, I think he's got a bit, better of a defined role on this team but I, I he's he's hurt by where he was drafted he was drafted ninth overall back in I want to say 2014 and you know when you're a top 10 pick you gotta you gotta play like a top 10 pick and he's 
he's been good, but you know, again, when you're when there's expectations when you're drafted that high, and he's just not met them, and it's it's okay, you know. In hockey, it's not like the be all end all. If you're a top ten guy, is if he's not a stud scorer, but he can find another way to contribute, and coach doesn't care, you know. Okay, we'll plug this guy in, and and he can be productive where he's at. And I'm hoping that that Ras can find that. And but you know, again, it's all about putting guys in positions to succeed. And Blash is he's got to do that. Got to see a little more for for my taste, but TBD. TBD. Okay, all right, I like the answer. And then uh, speaking of another move that Steve had just recently made, thanks for doing that. By oh, the I way, I got you. My <laughs> notes were disappearing on me. Dan, just come <laughs> over and wake the wake the computer back up. Uh, speaking of another guy that you know, Steve just signed onto the squad, uh, former wing legend Nicholas Lindstrom. And I know he doesn't have any. Uh, previous front office experience. I know he was just hired on as the VP to hockey ops. So are you someone like, do you feel comfortable with this? Or do you think this is like, is Steve helping out his old friend here? Or, or is this, Hey, like this guy knows hockey. He's this, we have a young team here that if we play our cards, right, we could really, really, you know, have a dynasty going here in a couple of years, uh, see where things take us. Is this a was this Steve helping a friend out, or is this someone that can help us get from where we are, which is a team that is very young but good, slightly above five hundred, to where we want to be, which is competing for the cup year in and year out, like we're used to here in Detroit? I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, I think Steve scratched the back of his old buddy, but I think you know Steve knows knows hockey, and and he knows that Nick knows hockey. I mean, Nick. You want to talk about just, like, one of the smartest players that I've ever seen. And this is a guy who played defense his whole career, and might have I might have seen him throw, like, three body checks because wow. he's just he was just always just in that perfect position to make just the perfect play. They don't call him the perfect human for nothing. Like, that's a well-earned nickname. His I think poke checks were crazy. It was stupid. <laughs> I remember watching, like, the Red Wings. Obviously, they had a 22-year run, so, like, I grew up watching the Red Wings and always saw them in the playoffs. And Nick Lindstrom was always an energy and a force within that team, and you can tell that they stood behind him, too, is because he was able to just lead so many, like, so many um, transitional offensive plays for the other team against the Red Wings when they were coming to crash the net. Nicholas Lindstrom's poke check, he was able to just read the play right off the bat, and you could just tell that he just knew what he was doing. So, I mean, I'm pretty optimistic about Nicholas Lindstrom coming in because you have a defensive-minded guy now coming in because you have Iserman, who was, what, a center? Yeah. And then he, he, you got the front you got the front um, guy, and then you got the back guy now just basically running the entire, like, just giving their – insight because nobody knows the game better than a player Mm -hmm. so to have a player in that position as a vice president of player operations I mean that's gonna be like to have his insight is definitely something that the Red Wings would need because just they're trying to rebuild at this point so yeah I mean is Nicholas Lindstrom the guy though like am I hyping him up too much or do you think that he's gonna does he bring like a lot of like um, information to the table for like Eisman, I guess. I think right now a lot of it is just the hype of, you know, one of the best defenders ever to play the game coming back to town. Another guy who spent his entire career in one city, you know, we love that about our guys in Detroit. That's the reason why Sergei Fedorov's number hasn't been retired yet is because he left, you know, which is 
just an, an, an absolute crime against humanity, but that's for another time. Um, <laughs> I think I think when you're going to see the value of Nick Lidstrom when you got a big-name free agent come, like, Swedish-born player who comes sit at that negotiating table with the greatest Swedish player ever sitting across from you just saying, like... That talks. Hey, you want to... You you know, let's, let's come have some fun over in, in Motown. Yeah, that's that's gonna talk. It's gonna say shave some dollars off the salary count. It's gonna be and and it's it's all about building that culture back that this team had when these guys were playing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, no one understands the culture better than Lidstrom and Eiserman. I wanna kinda just ask you a question. So like we look at Detroit as I mean, you look at them in basketball, football, and you look at them in baseball. And baseball may be a little bit of a big market team, but, like, they're not really big market teams in football and basketball at all. So we, we're we looking at Red, the Detroit Red Wings, Hockey Town. What See, I look at them as a big market team in the hockey world, not only because it, the location, not just because the name of Hockey Town is because of the players that played with us, Steve Eisenman, Nicholas Lindstrom, we had Zetterberg, Datsuk. I mean, you got a list of names that played for the Detroit Red Wings. Would you consider the Detroit Red Wings a big market team within our space? Absolutely. I think there's, when you're part of the original six, I mean, there's just a pedigree that comes with that. There's that tradition. There's, again, that, that culture. But when you do what they did and made – you make the playoffs for 24 straight years. I mean, that's just, that's, that's one of the out. longest streaks in sports too. ever in yeah. any sport. Yeah. yeah. That's unbelievable. Insane. And so, you know, and, and you're, you're competing in against other markets, like say, you know, um, like, like Florida, the Panthers. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say that would be a bigger one, but, you know, Atlanta's a huge city, a huge, you know, sports town. They don't even have a they, team anymore. They yeah, they lost two teams in their in in, in NHL history, you know. Yeah. So, it's not it's not always necessarily the big market that that works. I mean, for a sport like hockey, you got to have the the fans that are willing to to go there and and, and I mean in in this city in Detroit, like it's I mean, yeah, yeah, the Tigers are great in the summer and and everything, but Yeah. It's it's the way when the wings are good and when they're buzzing, it's, it's fun. Man. It creates some buzz it's, in the city. That's the most favorite sports team in Detroit, yeah. definitely. Like even if they were all good all at once, like the red or the Red Wings, the Lions, the Tigers, and I was gonna say the Bears. The Pistons. If they were all good all at once, the Red Wings would still be buzzing at the top. Oh, yeah. Like the fans would still I mean, we'd have the mo- majority of the city would still be paying attention to the Detroit Red Wings. And to have us as a big market team within the national hockey team is awesome or league is awesome. But to also have Steve Eisenman, who has a resume at the Tampa Bay Lightning of making major Major moves come to the Detroit Red Wings, who is considered a big market team, you know, because me and you both agree on that. Do you agree on that? Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't get the, your the, the culture that we have here, hell yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, it's just like, like you said, you know, Atlanta is a huge team that gets free agents in basketball and gets them in ba- I mean, they just won the World Series in baseball. That was more because they're just a well-ran organization with draft picks and stuff. But, um, you know, gets free agent attention. But that's just not the way it always works with hockey. You know, it's – I think one thing – and, I, I mean, this could create a whole different conversation. But I think one thing that people don't speak about uh, with hockey 
is just the difference in the personality of the athletes compared to different sports. I think that um, plays a big factor in what team ends up getting what free agent in in hockey. Mm -hmm. And I think – I I just feel like hockey players are a little bit more like, I don't care where I live. I don't care how much money I make. I want to play good hockey, learn from good coaches in a city that – wants to come and watch me play isn't gonna boo me and i have a good time in and what what other city is that than detroit you know right. you got the culture their history is there you you know you have steve eisman your gm now nick lindstrom is your hockey vp i mean you're coached by someone who uh, like you said the word is still out on jeff blashill but i think we can now say we know he's not a horrible coach there you go. um and you're gonna. I mean, you're playing for the Detroit Red Wings, man. I mean, what a, what could be better in hockey? Really, it's an original six team. So with everything that Mitch just brought up, I mean, does this give Red Wings fans more optimism into thinking that everything is falling into place perfectly, like a masterpiece puzzle, to the point where we're actually not only going to be good for five years, but we're going to actually still be touching. We're going to probably maybe contend with our playoff run that we had of 24 years. Do you think that that is going to, I mean, should fans feel more optimistic about that idea of the Red Wings running the league like a dynasty? If you're not optimistic, I just say, look at Tampa Bay and look what, look what the players that are there. And you look at what a hand that Steve had. Yeah, because had they had Stamkos team putting together. And nobody else before Steve Eiserman came right. there. And, and people want to say, like, oh, yeah, Stamkos was number one pick and Hedman was number two. And, like, I get it. Sometimes you got to have a little draft luck in the lottery. But Braden Point was a third round guy and ended up being one of their best producers in the playoffs. Nikita Kucherov is one of the most talented players in the league, he was a second round pick. Andre Vasilevsky was a first-round pick, yes, but a pick that he got in a trade from us because we were so worried about making the playoffs. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll trade. We'll get Kyle Quincy Ugh. for a first-round pick that became the best goalie in the league, bar none. I mean, the guy's won two straight cups. He's winning, you know, Vesna trophies left and right. I mean, just stud. And... You know, Eiserman thinks he's acquired that same player and and Sebastian Kosa, the the goaltender that we just drafted. We got our headman and Simon Edvinson, the the Swedish defender who just looks unreal. And you put him and you realize you're gonna have either one of him or Mo Sider on the ice for like 40, 45 minutes a game. That's a reason to be optimistic. So and, and you know, I get that, you know, prospects again are just that until they come up and show up in the league but you know we've seen from Steve that he knows how to how to get his eye on his guys and his guys play the way that he wants his team to work and it it's it's shown Tampa's won two straight cups they've been to god knows how many eastern conference finals and they're not slowing down anytime soon they're back at the top of their other division and it's it's a well it's just such a well-oiled machine and yeah the you know they they won their first cup after he left but he you know he's got his fingerprints all over that team is is that one thing that could maybe concern you a little bit with Eisenman is the fact that he left Tampa and they're still really good cuz i always think that in sports in general that's one thing 
that you can really gauge how valuable an asset is, whether it's a player, a coach, or a front office person, like we are talking about in our case with Eiserman, is what happens when they leave. Like LeBron with the Lakers. LeBron with the Lakers, good. Without the Lakers, God freaking awful. <laughs> so, you know, conclusion, LeBron is extremely valuable to that team. Yeah. Does it concern you at all that Steve left and they're still really, really good and they're just really not skipping a beat? Is that, you know, does that bring up any, you know, red uh, alarms for you? Not necessarily because it's, those are all his guys that he brought in that are doing the heavy lifting of that team. And, you know, when they're the guys that won the Conn Smythe trophies, those are all his guys. Um, I think that, you know, the new GM that they had there made some really big moves to help get that team kind of over the top, but there's... Nothing saying that Steve wouldn't have done the same exact thing in his situation. He taught this guy. He learned underneath him, kind of like, you know, before Steve left for Tampa, he was in a front office position with the Wings, and he basically shared a, an office with what I think is the greatest hockey mind ever in Scotty Bowman for years before he 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 took his talents to, to Florida. And oh, I was trying to trying to say South Beach there, but I was like, well, that's Miami, so okay, it doesn't really work. Um, things yeah, worked out. Funny how, yeah, that's funny how it like, worked. majority of sports teams, their names are like the city, and then you have the Florida Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who also get like 50 people to show up. Yeah. <laughs> what hockey they, is being played in Florida? <laughs> have you seen the Island Boys? Yeah. Oh, God, don't <laughs> tell me about that. I, uh, I wish I didn't know that existed. It, it's it's really it's really tragic because Florida this year is one of the best teams in the league, and they're a lot of fun. I think they just won their last game nine to two. I mean, Jesus. oh, they're 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 just they're just trash in the league right now. They're neck and neck with Tampa Bay in that division. It's and they they had a they had a playoff series last year, and I mean they just they it's it's a legit rivalry between those two teams in the state of Florida, which is. Kind of unfortunate. Tampa's got a good fan base, but then you look over at the Panthers and it's just, oh, yeah, yeah. The no one shows up. It's yeah. pathetic. It's very, very sad. It's tough. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you know, I, I, when I was younger, I used to be like a, a gatekeeper of the game, and I was like, oh, you know, hockey doesn't belong down in Florida. It's all about you know being up in the north. <laughs> and now, as I've gotten older and you know less aggressive about it. It's you know I, I want to see the game grow. I want to see you know I, I would I would love to see hockey succeed in on South Beach, but you know I'm hoping that with this team, if they if they make a run and they make it interesting, that you know that's that's what'll happen. You'll see a whole new generation of Florida Panthers fans. Like who would have thought? You know they'd be growing from 15 to 30, and then they get up to 60 fans. And oh yeah, then, you know sky's the limit at that point. I mean, it's why why ads are always targeted towards young people because you're you know once you get a consumer, generally you keep that consumer for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um. You know, you mentioned uh, our young stud in the minor leagues, Kosa, the goalie. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? And obviously, you know, we have Nedeljkovic up here uh, with the wings. And he was a recent, you know, he hasn't been on the team very, very long, traded for uh, when he was this uh, offseason after his rookie year. How do those two, you know, compete with each other? Is this something where one is just going to completely take over the other's, uh, I was going to say minutes, but I know you generally don't swap goaltenders throughout the game, um, games? Yeah. Or is this, uh, are these two goalies who can just go night in and night out? One night we're going to have Nadelkovich. Next night's going to be Kosa. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not feeling up to it this night, Nadalkovich. Or is this, uh, you know, someone who's just going to completely overtake the other person's role? Um, 
Well, I, I think with with Costa, the thing about goalies in the NHL is that they take a little more time, unless you you got some absolute stud, which we do have, but they, you know, they normally take a little more time to mature. You're you're very rarely going to have like a 20 year old goalie come onto the scene and just light it up. But rarely do you have a 20 year old defenseman come in and look what we got in in, in Mo. So I think that I mean the, what these two guys bring is just like an 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 ultra competitiveness about like, you know, and they're going to be pushing each other to, to be better because you got it, you know, you, you falter and you got a guy right behind you on the heels. That's going to be taking your games and everything. So that's going to just push you to work harder and practice and just, and, and, and the want it in, in the game a little bit more because, you know, you got to get another guy who's got just as good of a pedigree as you do. You know, you can't take anything for granted in this league and it's, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, we'll be fine with, with either option. I think Nadelkovich will be there to take uh, a majority of the, of the starts and let Kosa kind of naturally grow into his role. And then just kind of the way the, you know, the natural order of a salary capped world, you know, at, at some point we're just, we're just going to have to say, you know, adios to Ned. And at that point, once we're comfortable with, with Kosa and where he's at, he'll take over. But I mean, you're talking, you know, four or five years down the road at this point. Are you comfortable with Ned being our goalie right now? Or would you rather have Kosa, you know, if he got better, take over the role? Uh, for the, I mean, for the interim, you know, Ned is, Ned's the guy. I think, you know, in the short sample size we've seen and half a season from him, he's He's shown up. He's made, you know, some big, big saves routinely with, with you know, uh, I would say average NHL defense in front of him. I mean, he thrived last year, but Carolina is one of the best teams in the league. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're able to, with a roster like that, you're able to help out a young goalie a lot more. And it was a big question mark going into this year because, you know, it was like, okay, well, he doesn't have, you know, all these these big studs on the blue line like the Hurricanes do. Is he going to be able to to reciprocate? And we found out like, oh, okay, he's he's still really really good. Um, would he? So if we magically make the playoffs this year or next year, would he be able to keep up with the speed of the playoffs and be able to actually like keep him with keep us within the games, or would he? I guess you would say just choke in the playoffs. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean he because we're right there. Yeah, so. he you know he he performed admirably when uh, when Carolina made their run last year and they 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 ran into Tampa Bay you know and sometimes you just gotta you gotta run through the gauntlet you, you know you just get you know sometimes you're near the bar sometimes the bar eats you you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah and, and in the playoffs the bar ate him but. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't measure a, a young goalie based on, like, okay, how well did he do against the top team in the league that went up to go on and win the Cup? Um, I, th- I, don't, I don't know if he has series-stealing potential in him, and that, that's not necessarily an indictment against him. That's more against if, – if so if we were to make it into the playoffs by some miracle, let's say – uh, we're going in with the wild card, which means that we're either going up against Tampa or Florida out of our division, or we're going up against a team like Washington or New York in the other division. And top to bottom, those are just rosters that are more experienced and more well-rounded than ours. And it's just, it's just, it is what it is. We're still, 
we're still building, you know, building the foundation of a true contender. Whereas these teams, they're they're pumped up and ready to go. But that's that's what I love about hockey playoffs is that like anything can happen. You never know. Yeah, and like, I think we can do it. You know. Yeah. Why, <laughs> okay, why, why not? You know. <laughs> we got it. Yeah, and 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 2019, Tampa Bay set records for how many wins they had in the season. Then the playoffs come around, they got swept by a a, a, a Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. They, they went on to win the cup, didn't they? No, no. Columbus lost. I thinking of Columbus players? lost the next round to Boston. Uh, never mind. The Blues. We're not, what you, the Blues, maybe? St. Louis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. honestly. I, I don't know why. Was, yeah, I get those same, It was the same year. the Blues year, and the Blue Jackets. Yeah. I yeah, get them yeah. confused all the time. It was the, the time. same year. But, I mean, again, that's the thing about hockey playoffs is that, like, you get a team that, that gets hot for you know a, a four game stretch or whatever, and that'll totally, and and I think a lot of it was mental for Tampa Bay because they they'd made a couple deep runs, didn't quite get it, and then they kind of face some. The thing about hockey is it's all about how you answer to adversity, and for Tampa, all for an eighty two game season, they just leaned on their talent and they just blew teams out of the water and set records and was just like, oh, how look how good we are. So that that when you know Columbus came in with a defensive mindset and really shut them down and started smacking them in the face in the corners, they didn't know how to respond. They were just they were shell shocked the whole series. Uh, I don't know if if the Wings have the kind of personnel to kind of. I mean, they got you know your Bertuzzi's and what I've really liked from Larkin is that he's he's really kind of stepped up in his role as a captain um, and he's not taking any shit. He the first yeah. game of the season he took a hit from behind I real nasty this. and just and just knocked the guy out. Oh yeah, no. and it was totally a cheap shot, but oh, no absolutely. one really cared. Everyone was just like, "That's our captain!" Yeah. Like hell That's yeah, our guy. yeah. Oh, it was the rink was buzzed. And you know what I love about it the most is that Tampa Bay they they don't play at home again, un, or at Little Caesars again until March twenty sixth. Wow. And I don't know if you guys know that that was the date that. Uh, McCarty beat up Lemieux that sent us Ooh. that sent us on the run to win the first cup in 97. That's so sick. I did not know that. So that was like the revenge tour, March 26. I mean, that's a date that's going to be circled in. We got Tampa Bay with that, that, Oh, I, don't know. I can't, I don't want to say <laughs> that might, that might be a game here, that GBD might have to attend. Oh yeah. That, but like, do some we, live, do a live podcast. On that, that would be cool. Live oh, yeah. podcast. As we did mention, Red Wing tickets still horribly overpriced. <laughs> Not buying the pizza. Not the buying pizza. the pizza. <laughs> um, let's segue a little bit to this. So, you know, we've touched on, obviously things are going right here for the first time in years and it's awesome. But, you know, we don't want to, at the end of the day, have this team be capped at slightly above 500. We want these players to keep developing, keep getting better, and eventually, you know, bring us a title. So, with that being said, Andrew, where is the, what does this team look like three, four years down the line with Cider and Raymond having a couple years of NHL experience under their belt? Um, you know, with Nick Lindstrom has a couple of years of front office experience. You know, Steve has a couple more years to really fully get his system integrated into the organization. Where are we at then? Yeah, I think if three, I think in three years, we'll start to be more of that regular playoff um, team. 
I don't know if we'll be ready for, you know, cup contention at that point, but when you're talking five years down the line, so now you're talking Kosa's 23 years old. You know, he's going to be starting to take the reins as the starting goalie, as the guy who's going to really be the backstop to success. And we, as we saw in Tampa, Steve loves to build his team from the goaltender on out. And you're looking at Cider is going to be 25, hitting his prime, you know. I mean, he's the kid's so unbelievable. He's already making plays that make him, makes him look like he's a 10-year vet in this league, and he's 20 years old. It's stupid. That's so, awesome to see progression within our players, too, like that, yeah. especially at a young age that they're at, because most of them are just fucking yeah. 19, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. So the Red Wings, five years down the line, do you think that we're going to be dynasty status, or do you think we're going to be maybe like just missing the Stanley Cup, or do you think that we're going to be just contending within the playoffs? The thing about the the salary cap era is that like the dynasties are so hard to come by. That's what makes Tampa Bay so special. You know, they got the back to backs. It's what makes Pittsburgh so special. You know, they've had their three cups in eight years, I think it was. Chicago had their three cups in six years. You know, those are those are outliers. A lot of you know, a lot of times you get like the Blues come in, they win their cup, and then you know. You, you got to pay guys, and unfortunately with the salary cap, you just some of those guys that are big contributors, you just you just got to let them go. You got to trade them. You got to let them walk in free agency. It, just, it is what it is. Um, but with the core that they have and what you've seen from Cider and Raymond already at such a young age, and what we've seen from Iserman in the way that he can just negotiate these contracts into more team-friendly deals, like it's not like – like, Toronto has all the star power in the world, mm-hmm. right? But, Can never get it done in the playoffs. Well, you, not when you're paying your, your forwards $12 million a year. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to give them any support, you know? it's it, all, all a team has to do is worry about shutting down Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and then you got your third liners that are some 12-year NHL vet making league minimum 900 k just because he wants a shot at a title, but he's not a guy. He's not a guy who's going to carry you to the cup, you know. So, and that's that's one thing that Tampa Bay's been able to do is just is is they've been able to maneuver this cap. They've been able to get these guys that can contribute in those lower lines and contribute at a high level for you know pennies on the dollar. It's it's been kind of remarkable, and Steve's been been. Showing that he's, you know, he's a guy who can bring those types of guys in, and you know, we'll see. Uh, it's this is a team that's still, you know, we're still building the foundation. We don't know if it's if we win the draft lottery, this is going to be a whole different looking team coming in the next year. If we don't, and then we pick at, you know, fifteen or whatever it is, then you know it'll be it'll be a different thing. But Eisenman's shown he's always got a plan. You got to trust the Iser plan. No. I knew you were going to say that. I did oh, too. You already know. Iser plan. Oh, you already I knew. trust I, it. Had to drop it. You no, I mean you have to. I mean, what besides the fact of I mean, take out him being like we said earlier in the episode, probably the most beloved Detroit athlete. I mean, I I seriously I do not think I have ever heard a negative word about this man in terms of a front office man, of a player, of a per- just a person in general, never heard a bad word about him. Take that completely out of it, the fact that he was so beloved by Detroit. What reason do you have to think that he's not going to take us where we want to go? 
There is none. I can't. I can't. There's none. There's no. <laughs> and that's what's so awesome is because we can just totally fanboy out. Yeah. Because it's like <laughs> we're not being uh, unrealistic by expecting him to take us to the mountaintop because mm-hmm. he's done it before. And now he's doing it. <laughs> he's done it before. <laughs> and now he's doing it uh, again with Detroit and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm stoked, man. I mean, do you do you have any last words, Danny? No, no. I have optimism within the, Steve Eiserman. I have optimism within the Detroit Red Wings. I think that, like we said, they are a big market team, so they're going to attract a lot of big names within free agency. That we were able to obtain a lot of draft picks um, the first couple of years of Steve Eiserman's uh, reign, I guess, in Detroit. So I think that we are taking the necessary steps in order to becoming a team that's going to run this league, uh, not only for like one or two years, but they're going to be able to make or be trouble at least in the playoffs for five to 10 years um, after this rebuild. So uh, I want to thank you, uh, Andrew, for coming on to this podcast. Uh, It was a really good podcast. We touched a lot on this team. And I think that Detroit fans, not, not the Lions fans, but the Red Wings fans are at least (laughs) optimistic and are able to at least see a playoff win within the next five years. So, Andrew, honestly, it was an honor to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you for everything. And uh, if you want to plug your socials, um, where can they find you at, man? Yeah, well, I just want to say thanks for having me. You know, if you, if you couldn't tell, I'm a guy who just loves talking about hockey in any scenario, any situation whatsoever. Um, I, I got that in the first two minutes of you talking about <laughs> hockey. I mean, look, he's got the hat, the sweatshirt. He's got it all. This is yeah. a hockey guy. Uh, I came prepared. Um, for socials, again, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can those My accounts are at FPHWolves and at FPHGriffins. So those are I, I live tweet the games as they sh- as they come on for uh, for both Chicago and Grand Rapids, which I enjoy. Hey, I, I try. And, um, you know, I, I, I love interacting with the fans as well. Again, I love talking hockey. So if someone comes on and starts interacting with my tweets, I'm going to start interacting right back with them just because I just I love talking the game. It's it's fun. It's been a passion of mine since as far back as I can. The remember. thing that I notice also about your tweets and the way that you talk about hockey is that how much personality you have also within your tweets. Like it's not just some boring like statistic bullet point like stat. It's going to be like something that has like a lot of flair to it. So um, just basically looking at all your tweets and reading all your content, these people that are listening to the podcast if they check you out then they're definitely going to have um they're going to be in for a treat definitely i appreciate i I didn't think we would be breaking down a twitter account in this podcast no i just want to hype them up in order for people to look at them averages 8.3 tweets per hour while games are on two likes andrew rinaldi he's a writer for field pass hockey he's one of the hosts for the holy grail podcast and and he was the first in-person guest of the Guys Being Dudes podcast. Yeah. Hey, trailblazer here. Blazing the trail. Definitely we'll have you back on the podcast Absolutely. Um, it was a pleasure having you, and we loved um, hearing your insight on the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Good to get Thank you for helping us, basically, because we cover Detroit sports, and for you to cover the Red Wings, which is hockey, which is kind of like out of our realm of sports, um, you definitely helped us a lot in this podcast and gave the guys, or basically gave information for the fans that they, they needed to hear in order to be optimistic for the team. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, again, thanks for having me on, man. This has been awesome.
Cool. All right. This has been another installment of the Guys Being Dudes podcast. Episode number 40. Danny has to piss like a racehorse. I have to piss like a racehorse. Andrew probably has to piss like a racehorse. So we are going to send it away. Mitch McCartney, Danny Lucide, guest Andrew Rinaldi, Keaton Carlson behind the glass. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at GuysBeingDude15, the Instagram GBD Podcast 2020 Run. We are brought to you by Rise Network. All of our socials for Rise are at Rise Network US. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.